You're listening to Mystery Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss Area 51, what they don't want you to know. And welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. Uh, Okay, so if you have been here for a few weeks, then you know that I recently took my family to Disneyland for spring break. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we did drive. So we drove from Utah to California. And if you know the area or have taken that drive yourself, then you know that there is a part of the drive when you're driving south on I-15 that you start to see like these huge billboard signs about like every five to 900 feet or so advertising something a little odd, um, alien jerky. So it was seeing these signs that prompted me to pull out my handy dandy Google Maps and check just how far away from Area 51 we were. I was curious. Um, turns out not super close. <laughs> it was like two to two and a half hours to get there from wherever it was that I was. I feel like I was just like out in the middle of nowhere because we'd already passed Las Vegas. Um, but as I was searching, another thing piqued my interest. When I clicked find route, uh, Google Maps said that there wasn't one. So this got me zooming up on the map and like seeing all these different angles to see if there was any road leading to or from the Area 51 base. Uh, To my surprise, nothing showed up. Obviously, there had to be some sort of road. I mean, people do work there, but still no roads leading to or from the facility were showing up. In fact, type in directions for Area 51 and the actual facility won't even show up on Google Maps. It will just show you a very big patch of nothing. In fact, no public road comes closer than 15 miles. The closest town, Rachel, Nevada, wasn't established until 1973. And even now it kind of like dips between two to 300 people living there at a time. Um, It also reminded me of a trip that Brian and I took to Las Vegas several years ago. So Brian was speaking at like some sort of nerd convention. (laughs) I don't know what it was called, something about uh, marketing or whatever. And Riley and I were getting ready to go to the pool. And right before we left the room, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. So I raced to the window and a ways off from the hotel were some train tracks. And on the train tracks was literally the longest train I have ever seen in my life carrying, I kid you not, hundreds, possibly even a thousand military vehicles. Um, I'm talking like those huge things that they drove around in Saving Private Ryan, okay? And like Indiana Jones with like the scopes and like the whole shebang. Um, It was a little bit eerie because I was watching it and thinking, uh, is Shisha like about to go down? Like why on earth would we need to be transporting this many military vehicles right now? Um, I was sure to make a mental note that if like the news reported or announced some sort of military attack in the near future, that I could pinpoint it back to this moment. 
and know that I maybe knew a little bit before everyone else did. Um, but nothing ever came of it, or at least I wasn't made privy uh, to anything that could have been caused by um, or anything that would kind of put two and two together. Um, but whatever was done was done secretly. And so there was like no media attention. I remember like looking it up like, are we going to war? And I just don't know about it because I don't like to look at the news because it makes me depressed. And like there was nothing, nothing at all. All right. So before we start deep diving and talking about all things Area 51, we do need to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you aren't already, you need to be following me on Instagram at Mystery Still Unsolved. There you will find pictures and videos of the cases that we cover. Every week I'll pop in on stories and we'll do a little chat um, about the cases and a little um, more. So I'll share things that people have DM'd me, like if they have any thoughts or theories, opinions, or even personal experiences with the case that we have covered. And speaking of DMs, if you have a hometown unsolved murder that you would like covered on this podcast, shoot me a message like right now and tell me about it. If there is enough information, I would be elated to cover it on a future episode. Um, if you didn't know, I also have a website. It's www.mysterystillunsolved.com. There you can binge my now 80 episodes. Woohoo! 80, 80, 80, 80. Um, but if you like listening to your podcast elsewhere, that's totes fine. Just be sure to leave me a review so other incredible true crime loving souls just like us will find it. Um, I think that that's actually about it for housekeeping. So super quick, super painless. Um, yeah, let's get to it. Area 51 has spawned more conspiracy theories than perhaps any other military facility in the world. Rumors of its connections to alien life have been around since its inception. It has been the inspiration of books, TV shows, Hollywood movies, podcasts, and YouTube shows. Area 51 is in active use to this day and is not accessible at all to the public. It is under a strict 24-hour surveillance. Many wonder what on earth is going on there or what not on earth is going on there. Uh, is like, what is the government hiding? Um, military weapons, technology, or could it be alien specimens and spacecrafts? The secret U.S. Air Force military installation is located at Groom Lake in southern Nevada. Even though the facility has been the focus of numerous conspiracies, mainly involving extraterrestrial life, it has only officially been confirmed as a flight testing facility. Wink, wink. Uh, for years, there has been speculation about Area 51 because when we as human beings do not know the answers behind something, our mind starts like concocting and like ascribing stories and meaning to it because our brains always want an explanation to things, even when we don't know for sure if it's right. And even if the explanation is bizarre, our brain wants to latch onto something because having that uncertainty is scarier than, you know, believing in some wild theory. Um, earliest record of the facilities dates back to 1955, but conspiracy theories really gained traction in the late 1980s as reports of UFO sightings in the area 
grew and grew. And then this man named Robert Bob Lazar alleged to have worked there and claimed that the government was using the secret facility to examine a recovered alien spacecraft. He even said that he had seen autopsy photos of aliens inside of the facility. In 2013, the U.S. government officially acknowledged the existence of Area 51. Okay, so this facility was created in like the late 1940s, maybe early 1950s. It's like so uh, secretive that we don't even really know like the exact date, Um, which if you think about it, it's crazy. Like we had rumors in the late 1980s and the government was either denying its existence or just kind of sweeping it under the rug for nearly 13 years after that. Um, a formerly classified CIA document that chronicled the history of the U-2 spy plane, which was a heavily redacted um, version, had previously been released in 1998. Um, So according to the report, in 1955, the remote site, which included an airfield not used by the military since World War II, was selected in order to test the U-2. Test flights of that spy plane and subsequent aircraft accounted for many of the UFO sightings in the area. Apparently, the U-2 plane could reach altitudes much higher than any other conventional plane at the time. After the U-2 was put into service in 1956, Area 51 was used to develop other aircrafts, including the A-12, also known as Oxcart, uh, Reconnaissance Plane, and the stealth fighter F-117 Nighthawk. In the summer of 1955, sightings of unidentified flying objects were reported around Area 51, and that's because the Air Force had begun its testing of the U-2 aircraft. The U-2 can fly higher than 60,000 feet. At the time, normal airliners were flying like anywhere between 10 to 20,000 feet. So this is like a huge difference. While military aircraft topped out around 40,000 feet. So even with like the high, like the great technology of military aircrafts, they were still exceeding that by like 20,000 feet. So if a pilot, like a conventional everyday non-military pilot, were to spot like this little teeny tiny speck above its head, which was actually the U-2 above them, they would literally have no idea what it was. And they would usually let air traffic control know that someone, they didn't know who, was out there and above them by like 20,000 feet, which is what led to the increase of UFO sightings in the area. While Air Force officials knew the UFO sightings were U-2 tests, uh, they couldn't really like you know, tell the public. So they explained the aircraft sightings by saying, oh, it's just a natural phenomena. And, um, oh, it's just high altitude weather research. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, this might explain all of the supposed UFO activity in the area. It could have just been one of these high techie planes flying around that people just assumed was technology from out of this world. Doing some research, I learned something else. Area 51 employees do not drive to work. All Area 51 employees reach the facility by plane. They actually fly in and out of a restricted terminal located within the McCarran Airport on one of the several unmarked planes permitted to fly through the airspace above Area 51. And these are usually called Janet flights. And um, there's a lot of speculation as to what JANET means. It's believed to be some sort of acronym, but we actually don't know for sure 
what Janet stands for. It's probably like some just like some dude's wife or something, but whatever. Well, it's just shrouded in mystery, just like everything else in Area 51. Um, until recently, satellite imagery of the installation, this Area 51 facility, was censored. Like, it would just be blurred. As of 2008, Area 51 is visible on Google Maps. Although, when I looked it up myself, I couldn't see it on the map. There was just a little picture underneath it, so it wasn't connected to the map. Um, it's kind of, like, hard to explain, so I'm just going to screenshot what I found and post it on my Instagram, or feel free to look it up yourself. Some have connected the Area 51 site with the alleged government cover-up of the 1947 incident in which an alien spacecraft supposedly crashed near Roswell, New Mexico. Maybe this was what that dude, Lazor, was talking about. Maybe we should cover Roswell in an upcoming episode. That could be fun. Um, Others have speculated that the moon landing was staged there, which, okay, you guys, I don't really consider myself a conspiracy theorist per se. I mean, I do like to research them, but I'm not really a true blue believer of any of them. Uh, But I have to admit, this one kind of makes sense to me. (laughs) I mean, I think we've obviously been to the moon now, but I cannot 100% say that I believe that video, like the first moon landing video. Uh, Over the years, the CIA, U.S. Air Force, and aerospace company Lockheed Martin have all used Area 51 as a staging ground for test flights of experimental aircrafts, aka black aircrafts. Ooh, scary. Um, According to documents declassified in 2007 in the 1950s and 1960s, Area 51 was home to a top-secret Cold War era program known as Oxcart, which I mentioned before. This aimed to develop a spy plane that could be, that would basically be undetectable in the air and could be used for gathering information for their missions behind the Iron Curtain. The Ark in Sorry, the Archangel 12 was eventually developed at Area 51. The A-12 could travel at speeds of more than 2,000 miles per hour and take clear pictures of objects on the ground beneath it from an altitude of 90,000 feet. So this is like 30,000 feet more than what was happening in 1980s. Other well-known aircraft tested there include the A-12 successor, which is called the SR-71 Blackbird, as well as the F-117 Nighthawk stealth fighter, which I've got to admit is a pretty BA name. Uh, From the ground, experimental aircraft traveling at Mach 3 speeds, I don't even know what that means, but it seems really fast, undoubtedly resembled some people's idea of what an alien spacecraft would look like, helping to explain why so many people reported UFO sightings in the skies above Nevada all these years. Um, Such sightings, along with the secrecy surrounding the Groom Lake site itself, fueled the rumors swirling around Area 51 and helped create the air of mystery that it remains today. Okay, so personal story. Um, I actually remember that maybe like two or three years ago, 
Brian and I went down to Vegas for like a little couples retreat. I think that my mom must have been in town. And that happened to coincide with this huge Area 51 thing. So if you don't remember, there was a day in August or September where essentially like the most bizarre social media convention was set to take place. Dozens of like young, good looking, costumed people were running around like idiots, foaming each other with the idea that if they got enough people to storm the Area 51 base, that there was no way they could keep everyone out, right? It was basically a poor man's Coachella with the possibility of being gunned down by military security. Uh, I just find the whole premise honestly like quite ridiculous. Oh, right. So yeah, uh huh. the U.S. Air Force can handle itself on the battlefields of Russia behind the Iron Curtain and, you know, Africa, but they won't be able to defend themselves against hundreds of entitled millennials and Gen Zers with their hairless tanned bodies and faces pumped full of Juvederm. Uh, yeah, sorry to say not even their wealthy dad's money or influence would help them get out of that sticky situation. Because if you are attempting to storm Area 51, uh, they don't care how many yachts your family owns or how many pairs of Golden Goose sneakers you have. They're just going to shoot you. Okay. They're just going to shoot you. Um, okay. So while I was conducting my research for today's episode, I stumbled across an article and it was titled, I Stormed Area 51 and it was even weirder than I imagined. And it was about one of those people who went down to Rachel, Nevada for the festival. The article was honestly more clickbait than anything and pretty disappointing because I thought that they really got into Area 51. Um, But the writer did not, in fact, storm Area 51, but rather he provided some interesting details about the festivals that occurred there. Um, As far as I know, no one actually attempted to storm Area 51 other than two uh, Dutch guys who tried a week before the festival and were promptly arrested. I have no idea what happened to them now. Hopefully they are okay. <laughs> um, they inform uh, the person writing the article informs us that it wasn't just the beautiful people in attendance that weekend, but also like some tweakers, some like UFO fanatics, and some punk band goth types. Uh, but what had caused this event in the first place? Like, how was this idea, this very, very incredibly stupid idea, concocted in the first place? Um, all right. So, three months prior to that, on June 20, uh, the podcaster Joe Rogan released this interview with Bob Lazar, uh, you know, that guy who claimed to have worked there all those days, uh, all those years ago. And so Bob had kind of like taken himself out of the spotlight. So this was actually a pretty big deal that he was even doing this podcast um, because he'd kind of been like a recluse for a few years. And um, so Bob has like become something of a cult figure in the UFO circles. I would know because I'm part of them. Just kidding. I'm not really. Um, but I do like dabble. Uh, Rogan's millions of listeners tuned in to the interview because obviously it's a big deal. And one of those listeners was a college student named Maddie Roberts. Um, he was an anime enthusiast and video gamer living in Bakersfield, California. Inspired 
by the podcast, uh, he created a joke Facebook event and he called it Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. <laughs> yes, they can. They totally can. And they do it in like 30 seconds. Flat. Uh, you guys are so stupid. Um, according to the plan, people would meet in Rachel, Nevada. And in the early morning hours of September 20th, yeah, make sure you advertise everything that you're going to be doing. Yeah, that sounds real smart. Uh, they would swarm the defenses. Yeah, that was their plan. They were going to swarm the defenses. Yeah, okay. And get a chance to see for themselves if the government was really hiding aliens in there after all. Uh, so this joke kind of snowballed within hours. And it had like thousands upon thousands of people RSVPing. Yes, uh, the Air Force warned that things would end badly, which I think is a nice way of saying we're going to shoot you and kill you um, for anyone who attempted anything even resembling a raid. Uh, the FBI even paid Maddie Roberts a visit. And I'm sure it was just a mild, friendly, chummy chat filled with chocolate chip cookies and high fives. <laughs> um, yeah, more like roughing up and scaring the bejesus out of Maddie. Um, so shortly after that warm and friendly house call, uh, Maddie Roberts quickly pivoted and suggested that they channel the momentum into maybe more of like a Burning Man style music festival in the desert. It would be called Alien Stock. Nice. Nice call, Maddie. That was a close one. Um, but unbeknownst to Maddie, the Alien Research Center near Heiko, Nevada, decided to host its own Area 51 event in Rachel, Nevada the same weekend. This was like for serious ufologists, like the guys that are in the documentaries. Uh, Rachel, Nevada is a tiny town. Like I said, it only houses roughly 200 to 300 people at any given time and therefore obviously lacked the infrastructure to support that many people. Authorities feared calamity. So on September 9th, just like 10 days before the event, Maddie Roberts, the ringleader to this whole shisha show, um, he like pulled out. <laughs> he did not want to be involved in anything that might even resemble a Fire Island 2.0 situation. And I got, I got you, buddy. I saw that documentary. It did not seem like good news bears. Um, Budweiser offered to host an event in Las Vegas, and Maddie uh, Roberts encouraged people to attend that event instead. But his partner that he had been working on um, the event in Rachel, Nevada, had already sunk in like thousands and thousands of dollars into this event. And this was like all money that she could not get back. So holding back tears during an interview, she told reporters that the event in Rachel was happening, whether Rachel residents liked it or not. Uh, the event in Vegas was a hit. Um, people came like from all over, driving like six plus hours. Um to come to the event. They were dressed in their best alien rave attire. Um, people wore shirts or held up posters that read Green Lives Matter, which seems in poor taste if I if I do say so myself. Um, the pool at the hotel was cast in like green lights and there was like neon everything, like neon drinks, neon cotton candy, neon lights, neon, neon, neon. Um, a DJ dressed in silver metallics blasted dubstep music and partygoers danced spastically to the songs. I guess that's just what happens when you get a bunch of us alien nerds together. Things are about to get cringeworthy. 
Contrary to the wild warnings of a fire festival repeat, Rachel Nevada actually seemed to be pretty under control. It was not a fire festival 2.0. Um, so the article was written um, and he said, quote, getting to the actual entrance to Area 51 took another 20 minutes of driving from Rachel on an unmarked, unpaved road. Clouds of chalk billowed behind the cars coming and going. At the end of the road was a drab military checkpoint flanked by concertina wire and threatening signs. The sign prohibiting photography was clearly a dead letter. Rotating shifts of law enforcement officers of every variety, sheriff's deputies, state troopers, game wardens, park rangers kept a watchful eye on everything and everyone. They did seem relaxed, though, and looked like they were having as good of a time as the ostensible stormers. After all, this was an excuse for them to hang out at Area 51, too, end quote. One witness said um, that they were driving nearby Area 51, as, you know, curious humans do. Uh, they had heard about Area 51 and all of its tales, and they wanted to get a closer look. I feel you, buddy. Um, and they said that they were driving down the road when all of a sudden they were surrounded by huge military vans, one on either side of them, and then a helicopter was suddenly above them. The men inside of the military vans were yelling and pointing at them and gesturing and showing them that they had guns and were obviously not afraid to use them. And the people inside of their car were terrified. Um, obviously, that's what the camo guys wanted. Um, it is their job to keep whatever secret Area 51 is holding a secret. And let's just say their intimidation worked and the curious 20-somethings turned around and got the heck out of there. In 1997, a woman and her boyfriend were driving towards Area 51, again, curious cats. Um, suddenly, they were forced off the road by armed soldiers. They were instructed to get out of their vehicles with their hands up. As soon as they got out, a helicopter was above them, and they said it really it really was like suddenly, because you know how normally if a helicopter is like in the vicinity, you'll hear it before you see it, but they claim not this one. This one was completely silent, even though it was only about 40 feet above them and in the air. Um, on the parameter of Area 51's properties, there are these signs everywhere. Um, and the sign used to say, warning, trespassers will be shot. Whoa. Uh, but that sign is now covered with a new sign that reads, if you trespass, you and everything you have with you will be subject to search and deadly force is authorized here. So, a little less intense, <laughs> but there's still a hint of, like, don't F with us, basically. Um, what is going on at Area 51? Every few years, previously redacted and confidential documents are made public, and we get that much closer to solving the mystery. There's, like, little breadcrumbs, and we're following them. Um, but will we ever truly understand the full scope of what is really happening there? Um... I think not. Uh, when I lived in Syracuse, there was a military base very close by, and we even had a Lockheed Martin as well. And I don't think that it was um, shrouded in this sort of mystery, which only piques my interest in what could possibly be going on in Area 51. My mind like begins to wander and concoct images like that scene in the movie um, Independence Day with Will Smith. Um, is there like a spacecraft belonging out of this world being stored there. Um, but I'm curious, 
what do you think of Area 51? Do you think it's just your run-of-the-mill base? Do you think it is the creation site of advanced weapon technology, the likes of which we can only imagine? Do you think it is the housing place of a variety of extraterrestrial life forms and spacecrafts? Do you think it was the film set for America's first man on the moon, which really wasn't on the moon, guys, like for real? (laughs) Okay, I feel like I need to explain myself more or you guys are going to come at me. Okay, so when I was younger, I went to to this museum in Washington, D.C., and I can't remember which one it was because my mom and dad dragged me to so many that they all began to blur. But I distinctly remember an exhibit that they had, which they claimed was the rocket or whatever that took Neil Armstrong and those other dudes to the moon. Um, It was suspended in the air so that you couldn't like touch it or really get a close look of it. And I remember even as a youth (laughs) looking at it and thinking to myself, I think taking a microwave to the moon would be safer than this spacecraft. Um, It literally looked like it was made out of cardboard and toothpicks and aluminum foil. (laughs) And I remember thinking, this thing, this is the thing that made it past our like intense atmosphere and people survived the harsh conditions of outer space in this. Yeah, I think not. Um, Obviously, I think that we've made it there now. Uh, But you have to remember, like, we were in a race with, like, China and Russia, and I think we might have faked our way to the top for an upper hand. I really believe that. I think overall it worked to our benefit, but do I think the original videotape was a phony, a farce, a fake? Um, Absolutely. But that's just my opinion. I'm standing on my Rochelle box right now. I'm in my Rochelle opinion. I don't have anything to back it up other than a documentary that I watched, which obviously could have been faked. But it did get me thinking. And I don't know. Everything in the documentary, everything that they were saying, I I was like, that makes sense. That's questionable. I can see how they're drawing that conclusion. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you spending time with me week after week. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. Visit my website, www.mysterystillunsolved.com. Leave me a review wherever you love listening to your podcasts. Tell a true crime loving friend or family member about me and don't feel like you need to limit it to family and friends. I mean, especially with Mother's Day coming around the corner. Hint, hint. Uh, Did you forget to get them something? No problem. Give them the gift of me. Tell your mom, your mother-in-law, your grandma, your sister, that cousin that you love to hate, your boss babe besties, your mentor. I want everyone, everyone to know about Mystery Still Unsolved. But do you want to know? the best way to support this podcast? Of course you do. Be sure to join me next week when together we'll discover. Did anyone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?